It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Back from London in Denver, Colorado, alongside uh, Mike Evans. I'm Mark Schlereth, and it's Scott the Hub producing the show. Uh, Mike, good to be back with you, buddy. How are you? Well, good to have you back. How was London? London. London was um, exhausting. You know when you when the season when the schedule came out early in the season, and I had this London game, Mike. I felt like, wow, what a reward this is. You know, we get to travel to London, do a game from London, and uh, you know, you get to be out there for the week and all this stuff. And um, it really became more like punishment. Um, you know, up every night at one o'clock in the morning. You know, your sleep schedule. There's so many different. You know, your your time schedule's all off. Uh, you know, I'd be up from one to four o'clock in the morning. Then you pass back out. And you wake up at seven and start the day. And you, but you, I, you know, you know what this is—the world's smallest violin. I right. mean, really, crime. Come on. I know. You had a week in London, all expenses paid. Yeah, calling an NFL game that was, and you're crying about yeah, my, my sleep, sleep schedule, well, my poop schedule. Well, was my off poop, a little yeah, my, bit. That was another thing. My poop schedule's been way off, but I uh, rectified that this morning because I came in and two two guy uh, just weighed two herkers right off the bat. It was awesome. Herker? Herkers? <laughs> yeah. Just, what's a herker? Just well, a I mean, big, I now know what a herker is, right, but what's a, big, a herker? I mean, it's a herker, like a big old, massive. yeah, massive. Release. It was like, it was great. Release the hostages! <laughs> well, so, while you were there, though, yeah. the game, I I was stunned like everybody else was at uh, at how well Oakland played right. and, and really taking it right to the Bears, beat them I, at their own game. Well, listen, I knew that, that Oakland, based upon, see, one of the things they did from a travel schedule standpoint, and this costs so much, mo- much more money as an organization and everything, but... John Gruden was like, listen, I came here a year ago. We left on a Thursday. We got over here. He goes, I felt like crap for the game. I was like, he goes, I can only imagine what my players felt like. He said, I wasn't going to do that to them again. So they got done beating Indianapolis, jumped on the plane in Indy, and flew straight to London. And so they were there for the week. And you just could sense on Friday's practice when you met with them, they – they were flying around. They like they had kind of acclimated to a degree as much as you can over there. So I think that was a big part of that because they certainly aren't as talented. But when that game kicked off, you could see which team had the energy. And they absolutely – I mean, I, I've watched every play that Chicago has run on defense all season long, and they have been a dominant force. I mean, they have kicked the crap out of teams up front. I mean, physically, their front seven has absolutely dominated teams. And it's it hasn't been close. As a matter of fact, the Minnesota Vikings are an outstanding offense. And their running back, Dalvin Cook, has just been great. And they have dominated the line of scrimmage um throughout the consistent or throughout consistently throughout the season. He had fourteen carries for thirty some yards against Chicago. I mean, they absolutely whipped the asses of the Minnesota Vikings. And they show up in London, and Oakland absolutely manhandled them. I mean, they came off the ball. Their double teams were so sharp. Um, Josh Jacobs was just running through them like shit through a goose, man. I was like, my morning is how they were. It was, a, it was a it was a Herker performance. It was a Herker performance. So they they dominated the line of scrimmage, and, and they really manhandled the Chicago Bears throughout the entirety of that first half. Then the second half opened up, you know, and they had one missed assignment or one missed. So they were 
you know, you go to practice on Friday, you get to see what they're doing. So they had a lot of um, run-to-run checks. So they basically were running away from wherever safety support was. So if they called to play in the huddle and they called a, a strong side handoff and they strong side safety rotated down, they just go kill, 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 you know, whatever, whatever their quote were, over, over, over. But it went from handoff to, to toss. And so in the third quarter opens up and Derek Carr kills the play and he goes to he he goes he he switches from the strong side play to the weak side play. He rotates out and pitches the ball or tosses the ball and Josh Jacobs is looking for a handoff. So he forgot that it was from a strong side handoff to a weak side toss. And so he pitches it behind him, you know, and 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 they they fumble and Chicago recovers and then ends up scoring a touchdown to make it 17-17. And then, you know, it was kind of shoot yourself in the foot for a quarter and a half until they got themselves back together in the fourth quarter. But uh, I thought they did an exceptional job, um, you know, preparing their football team to play overseas. And, and they physically dominate a line of scrimmage. Well, it was a weekend that really probably appealed to you as somebody that, that loves right. line play. Yeah. Whether what what the Raiders did or what um, the the Chiefs well, he, he, what the, he, the Chiefs had done to them by the Colts, right. which was straight out you know game plan out of the sixties. Yeah. You, well, you think about you think about the way the, this league is constructed. You know, everybody is so enamored by the quarterback. Oh, we got to have a quarterback. You can't have a quarterback. You can't win. Yeah. Oh my, this that and the other. Right. I mean, you think about this. Show me the team that dominated the line of scrimmage. I'll show you the team who won this weekend. Chicago Bears got dominated up front by the Raiders. Right. The uh, the, the 49ers dominated the Cleveland Browns in the trenches. The Colts dominated the Chiefs in the trenches. How about Green Bay dominating Dallas in the trenches? Um, you know, on and on it goes. You show me the team that dominates the line of scrimmage, I'm going to show you a team that's going to win the majority of their games. They're, they're going to win an 85% clip. So we get so, you know why? Because we love fantasy football, right? We we, we can't rate that, you know. there's no There's no algorithm for that there's no metric for that or whatever it is but you show me a team that physically whoops the ass the other team in the trenches I'll show you the team that'll win probably 85 percent of the time and that was that I don't know that there's ever been a weekend that that held more true than this weekend but it it seems so obvious it makes such sense but I mean is every team is that their mission to go out and build an offensive and defensive line like that or do you just see teams Totally, grossly neglecting that part. Well, I think a lot of teams neglect it because all the rules are bent to throw on the ball because, you know, the league has has changed every rule to where you can't touch a receiver. You can't, you know, after five yards, you can't chuck them. You know, if you touch them during the pass, you know, it's a pass interference deal. It's So all those things are bent toward, I mean, the quarterback, for crying out loud, you breathe on the quarterback, he gets a 15-yard, you know, roughing the quarterback penalty. So I think all those things are bent that way. I think the other thing, Mike, is that, um, running the football is a skill. It's a skill that has to be worked on. Um, and in this day and age of football where you don't actually practice and you don't actually put on pads and you don't actually do that stuff, it's really hard to get a great feel for coming off the ball and driving people off the ball in the run game when you don't ever actually get to work on it, when you're just working on walkthroughs. So I think it's one of the toughest areas of football to simulate where practice doesn't simulate the game. And so I think that's one of the big issues that that teams have. So it's really hard to work on that stuff. And um, 
you know, you would like to, but there's very limited number of practices that you can put pads on and all those kind of things. So I think it's a really I think it's a really hard thing to to accomplish in today's football. Well, the Colts it worked perfectly. Um they they, they ran the ball, what was it, forty five times, uh thirty eight to twenty two in terms of time and possession minutes. Mm-hmm. And you know, is is this the blueprint? Is this what proved and showed how the Chiefs are vulnerable? Well, I mean, I, I think obviously there's a couple of different things. One, you control the tempo of the game. You control the running game. You put all those pat those, those you, you pat all those yardage stats. You know, running the football. Uh, you chew up time of possession. So, I mean, the average game has about 12 possessions. So now all of a sudden you get Kansas City and that potent offense down to eight possessions. Like that's going to give you a hell of a lot better opportunity to win a football game, right? And then, you know, they feel like they're in a position where they can't run the ball. Their their running back Williams only got nine carries. I mean, they had nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 total carries. Three of them of the 14 were by Mahomes. Uh, one by their fullback, Sher- uh, Sherman, and then uh, one by a receiver, I believe. So, I mean, it's not like they had a lot of opportunity to get that done. And so, yeah, I think there's, I think it's always been kind of a formulaic equation when you have a really hot quarterback with a ton of you know a ton of offensive passing weapons to keep that guy on the sideline was what teams try to do to uh, to Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts all those years ago it's like if we can keep Peyton off the off on or sitting him on the sideline we got a chance to win this football game so seems easy in theory yeah it always but is, yeah but you got to execute and doesn't like happen said, that often right and it's very hard it's very hard um like I said, to con- consistently grind out those yards when guys don't get to work on that skill set as often as as you would like. Well, the the Chiefs struggled offensively. We figure they'll be back. Mm-hmm. What do you make of Dallas? My pick, my boys. How about them Cowboys? Right, got them going to the Super Bowl this year, and the start looked great. I looked great. Now these last two weeks, they can't score. Shut down by the Saints, shut down by the pa- – you know, didn't pay no yeah. attention to the final score of that game. That was a, a epic blowout. Uh, and the Cowboys just tacked on some some garbage-time offense, garbage-time points. But what, what's going on? Well, in Dallas. Yeah, it, interestingly, uh, I watched that game from London. And, um, you know, first and foremost, I think Green Bay's got a legit defense for the first time in – that I can remember. They went out and got Preston Smith on one edge, Darius Smith on the other edge. They've got great edge presence. And, and the Cowboys were built to have this dominant offensive line, Mike. Well, they lost both their starting tackles. And, you know, depth at that position is, like, it's not very good in the NFL. Depth at any position is probably not very good in the NFL. But at that position, it's really hard to get backup guys to come in and play really well. And so they've got... Their two backup offensive linemen on the football field against really what turns out to be the Packers' best offseason acquisitions, and they're probably their best defensive players, you know, the quote-unquote Smith brothers. So, like, I think that's a big issue for the Cowboys. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, So I think that's a big part of it. I think the other thing is people are getting a good sense of what the Cowboys want to do. Um, New offensive coordinator – so, like, they're looking at that, they're getting that film, they're getting those tendencies, and they're adjusting. And so now the Cowboys have to, you know, that's the, that's the part of the game where you have to constantly, this back and forth, this, this chess match that goes on, you have to be very critical of your own planning and how you're going to overcome some of your, 
your tendencies or some of your weaknesses or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I think that's a big part of what's happening right now in Dallas. I, I still think they're a really good football team. Um, and, you know, you're going to have a couple of those games. Yeah, right but Jerry get. Jones might be looking smart right now, slow playing the whole DAC contract extension. Well, I mean, I think he's already offered him big money, but um, then you go to him now and say, hey, you didn't play very well. You threw, threw some interceptions. You, you know, you, you sure you want to well, turn the, this contract the, the, down? The price tag certainly shouldn't be going up. No. So, but but do you go back to him or do you go back to him and say, and play a little hardball? Because here's the bottom line. If Dak hits free agency, what are you going to have to do? Go and get another quarterback. Or, well, or you're going to have to tag you're going to have to tag him. Tag him, right. And, right. And, then you're going to pay him, you know, 40 million for one year and you right. still got to find a way to get a, you know, whatever that whatever that tag, that franchise tag is. So, I still think they'll figure out, you know, they'll figure out a price on on Dak, but I mean, I'd ask you, do you want to pay him 100 million dollars a year? Do you feel I'm not a year, but I mean 100 million dollar contract? Contract? I like him. But, but you don't love him. I don't love him. Right. But then again, it's like a college girlfriend. Right. And you like her. But how many? But how many teams are in that situation? How many teams? How many teams know in their heart of hearts that this guy isn't the guy, but he's not bad, and he's certainly better than that alternative of all of a sudden being cast out into the wilderness and all of a sudden having to go look for another guy. You know. Yeah. I all think- of a sudden, those guys. You know, they're comfortable. You're comfortable. Andy Dalton, we're comfortable. Matthew Stafford, we're comfortable. I think Matt lot, Ryan, we're comfortable. And I think a lot of those guys, you look at, you look at them and say, "Hey, it's incumbent on us as a franchise to put enough players around that guy that that you can win a championship." And and that's what it really boils down to. Like, hey, when Russell Wilson won his championship, he wasn't Russell Wilson that we see today, who's an MVP candidate. They had a great defense around him. They could run the football. That's that's how they won that thing, right? So, like, he carries the team now, and he's getting paid to carry the team. But are they as good a team? Probably not. I think they're a really good team. But so I think there's you always have to look at it like, listen, there's a formula for winning with one of with a Dak Prescott guy. But you have to be good all all the way around, and you have to be healthy. You gotta have you gotta build a stellar defense. You gotta be able to run the ball, set up your play action. And you're good enough to hang 24 points a game on somebody and play good enough defense to win a bunch of games 24-20, 24-17. And, you know, and that's that's the recipe to go to, you know, and play in a world championship. You know, speaking of MVPs, I, I know that the definition of MVP is, you know, it's different for different people. Right. Sometimes it's just about stats. But if you're just talking about two guys right now that I just know if if they're not on their teams, those teams are completely sunk. Mm-hmm. My two leading MVP candidates, agree or disagree, right now, Russell Wilson and Christian McCaffrey. Um yeah, I think they're I think they're both great. I think they're both great candidates to be, you know, to be MVPs. Christian McCaffrey's doing things. I mean, he's got more total combined yards than than Zeke Elliott and Todd Gurley combined. Combined, right? Yes. I mean, that's it's crazy what he's doing right now. So they are, I mean, they're incredible. And, and he's incredible. What they're doing, and they're doing it with a backup quarterback, by the way. Right. So 
you know we're all in the game. You're like, hey, there's one guy we got to take away. Right. That guy's Christian McCaffrey. Right. And he's still putting and up he, insane oh, numbers. And, he, and, you know, the balance between running the ball and catching the ball and doing all the things that he does, um, absolutely. I mean, if he's a thousand thousand guy. That would be, inc- how, be incredible. How do you not give him the MVP? No, I think he would. I think he would definitely get the MVP. So, I mean, I, I, anyhow, I mean, he's been he's been amazing. And Russell, like Russell Wilson, and what he's doing in regards to second chance throws, second chance plays. Um, you know that team right now sitting at four and one. Um, he's pretty incredible. The guy is pretty incredible. Like he's he's in that conversation, man. Just, there are a lot of guys in that conversation, though, Mike. And one guy who's not in that conversation right now, who, based on the way he talked during the offseason, oh, yeah. and all the commercials I see, yeah. it's got to be an MVP candidate. Right. Oh, I know you've been waiting for this one. Oh, Here you gosh. go. Let me just let me just, yeah. let me just toss up a good old cement mixer hanging slider to you. Mm-hmm. Serve it up in your wheelhouse. Baker Mayfield, go. This guy. I mean, right? This guy this right guy. here. This, this guy. guy. Yeah, you see, he wouldn't even shake the hands going out for the coin toss. The team captains wouldn't even shake the hands of the San Francisco 49 which pissed them all off. Mr. I've got a chip on my shoulder. One minute, it's the hype is real, guys. I know nobody believes in us. We're going to do it then. It's all oh, we're back after the big win against Baltimore. You know, I mean, I. I like I literally, and it's fun to see the NFL feel the same way that I feel. I literally root against the Browns just because of the immaturity that they have dealt with this entire offseason. The expectations and glomming on to all the expectations. I root against them every single freaking week, and the rest of the NFL is right there with me. Do you see? Uh, you see Joey Bosa uh, go ahead and and try to plant the Nick flag. Bosa. Oh, Nick Bosa. Excuse me, not Joey. Joey's in with the Chargers. Uh, Nick Bosa, his brother, try to plant the flag. You know, or, or fake like he. Like when, because Baker Mayfield yeah. did that when they came to Ohio State and won a game. Oh, I love that. That was tremendous. I, I love every second of it. Every second of it. So, yeah, I'm rooting, I'm rooting against them. But what's acting like a dink aside? Yeah. Okay. What's wrong with his game right now? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> listen, I think Freddie Kitchens is probably in the low over his head being the head coach and the play caller. Um, there's just one there. We talked about dominating the line of scrimmage. They have not dominated the line of scrimmage. You know, one of the things they went out and got Odell Beckham Jr. And they went out and, you know, they, they're getting talent all over the place. They got rid of their, their best offensive lineman. You know, their, their, their overall best offensive lineman and Zeitler, they, they went ahead and got rid of him. You don't need a, you don't need good offensive line. I mean, we got all these weapons, right? I mean, the the level of incompetency there to me is comical, and um, I've, I'm finding I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm finding great pleasure in watching them struggle. I really am. So like, you look at you look at like uh, McVeigh or Kyle Shanahan, they're 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 coaching offense, you know, like it's chemistry, you know, four oh, one. Oh yeah, it's quantum physics, you know. And Freddie Kitchens and the they're, Browns right, right now are like uh, I don't oh. know. Um, Oh, it's you know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. What it's, is it? It's Greek mythology. Greek mythology. Greek, right. I had a, I had a Greek mythology class when I was in college. I had a Greek mythology. It was great. It was great. So we used. To, I don't even know what the professor's name was, but he's a little short guy, kind of pudgy. He had this big, thick, like this grayish, you know, his gray hair, but it was out all over the oh, place. Oh, like Albert Einstein. Yeah, like Albert Einstein hair. We used to just call him Zeus, and he spoke or Doc with, Brown. Yeah, yeah, and he spoke with a lisp. 
And so we would like I never missed a Greek mythology classic, and I don't even remember anything. I just went to be entertained by him, and he would tromps around. He got so excited about it, and he would talk with this lisp, and he would talk about all the different characters of Greek mythology. Be like, let me tell you about Achilles. So Achilles had one weakness; it was his heel. And the problem with the heel, he got dipped in the waters of Minnetonka, and you know whatever it was, I don't even remember, right? And the heels were not protected. And he would just get so excited about just Greek mythology. And we, I mean, we would literally bring treats in, like popcorn. It was eight o'clock in the morning class, like Coke and popcorn. We're like, hey, come on. You guys that didn't even have the class would come to class just to watch Zeus. That's how we, that's how we rolled. That's, yeah, that exactly. He is, he is teaching Greek mythology 101. So Baker would be, what, what Greek figure would he be? Oh, uh, who was the wing guy that uh, wasn't there a guy with a wing that got too close to the sun? Uh, Icarus. 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 Yeah, he was. Is that be, what he is? Yeah, he'd be, a little too. Uh, be, Let me tell you the story of Baker Mayfield because it's a lot like Icarus. You see, Icarus <laughs> thought he was a god, and Icarus flew too close to the sun. Only Zeus. Can get to the sun, but Icarus thought he could. No, he can't. See, Baker Mayfield decided to take every commercial, everything that was offered to him, the bright spotlight of fame and fortune. He was building his brand and not his career, just like Icarus. He thought he was Zeus. He's not Zeus. He's not Zeus. <laughs> Anyhow. I think that's Man, good, if I had more classes right. with professors like that, I, I think I would have done a hell of a lot better in college. Jeez, I, that you know guy. what I think that is? I think that's a great place to end this podcast. I think that's a great place to end the podcast <laughs> with uh, with Dr. Professor Zeus. Professor Zeus. All right, guys. Hey, for everybody involved in the Singing Tube podcast, thank you so much for listening. For Mike Evans, for Scott the Hub, I'm Mark Sherrod. We'll hear. We'll, we'll talk to you next. Uh, we'll talk to you maybe tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs>